Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a Monday edition of Flyers Daily. And, you know, this time of year, I kind of go, okay, what are we going to talk about? I got a lot to talk about tonight. I'm actually excited for this episode because I think we got some good conversation with the man who joins us every Monday. He does it all year round, as I do as well. From PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com, it is Bill Meltzer. Bill, there's a ton on the docket for this Flyers Daily tonight. Uh, there sure is. There sure is. Um, you know, counting down the weeks to uh, to training camp, but uh, you know, there there's a lot to discuss. Even even head, heading into camp, um, you know, there's obviously still frost to sign, but there's also lingering questions from last season that uh, need to be figured out. Some of them will figure out. You know, some of them will take shape in camp, and some of them we're not going to know until late in the season or after the season. Yeah, we're going to get into uh, a few of the top 10 Flyers question marks heading into the 2023-2024 season in a moment. But I actually want to start here, Bill, because a division opponent, a rival, made a very big trade. The trade is as follows. The Penguins get Eric Carlson, a 2026 third-round pick, Dylan Hamiluk, and Rem Pitlick to the Montreal Canadiens because Jeff Petrie, Casey DeSmith, Nathan Laguerre, a 2025 second-round pick from Pittsburgh, and to San Jose, a 2024 first-round pick from the Penguins, Michael Graham, Mike Hoffman, and Jan Ruda. When you see this trade, I mean, I look at it and I go, okay, Carlson, at this point, I think 33 years old, I want to say. Yeah, 33 years old, uh, adding to a team that was the oldest in the NHL last year, and the average age was over the age of 30. It, what does this kind of uh, this, this trade signify to you? Well, it signifies that they're not willing to look at rebuilding yet, even though they are the oldest team in the NHL, and and uh, you know they're they're going to take. I mean, really, a last ditch effort um, at a Stanley Cup run, while while Crosby can still play, while Malkin's still there, while Latang is still there. I, I have to be honest that I, I look at this roster. I see the team missing the playoffs last year. And missing the playoffs despite a healthy year, too. Yeah. You know, actually, Malkin played every game last year for the first time in years. Um, I mean, Latang Latang had the, the stroke, and thankfully he came back. Uh, Crosby played every game last year. Really, really all their key players. And, and Gensel since gone down, but he, he was healthy last year. So this is a team with major question marks that, that's coming off of missing the postseason. Um, Carlson obviously had a huge offensive year last year and was healthy. For, he is the first time he played even 60 games since 2017-18. So, you know, so, you know, it's, it's not like he has a healthy track record recently either. Um, when, I, when I look at this team, I, I think this is a team that ought to be rebuilding. Instead of that, they seem to be more intent on building the 2002-03 New York Rangers. You know, Which and, was an under 500 hockey team, if I recall, and some few teams on it. That is correct, yes. And that team had Eric Lindros. And Mark Messier and the Russian Alexi Rocket Kovalev and Brian Leach yeah. and um, and, uh, and and Peter Nedved was on it. They still had Mike Richter. I mean, it was it was a who's who of the nineties. Yeah, you know, and uh, they just they just were not you know they had the big names, but they they were cooked. And in the second half of the season, they really fell on their faces and um, missed the playoffs. They had a losing record. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know if the Penguins necessarily have a losing record, but they're they're still, they're still to me at best a bubble team, and they're a team that with a very thin farm system because they've traded so many first round picks away. 
So I, I think to take a real long shot run and then one more deep playoff run, to me, to me, that's a very high price to pay. They're trading another first round pick in next year's draft and then the second round the year after that. At, at what point do you start to rebuild and you know there's diminishing returns on some of these guys as yeah. as they get as they get deep into their 30s or some start to retire so i, I you know I, I don't from an objective standpoint I, I don't i think the penguins got better on paper you know as you would adding eric carlson but i think in reality i still think they're a bubble team yeah no, they won't defend any better i mean uh, this offseason, they were the only team in the NHL to end the season with an average age over 30. They've added five more players over 30. Carlson, 33. Eller, 34. Achari, 31. 32-year-old Smith and a three-year-old Nieto. They only have three forwards under the age of 30. And as to your point about Carlson and you know not playing more than 60 games since 2017-18, uh, last year looks like the outlier in, yeah. in his at this point of his career. So uh, we'll see how that plays out for the Pens. But Let's get to some flyer stuff, but let's start overseas, Bill. The KHL preseason is underway, and uh, all eyes on Matt Vemichkov. And he's got, I think, now had three games. Uh, I know you. Uh, we, we saw some highlights from his debut. What have you seen out of Michkov? Not the winger, but the center. Yeah, that, that's the biggest thing. I mean, that, that could be a game changer. I'll tell you, he, he, he looks good at center. Yeah. Um, it, it's activated his playmaking to a large degree, and he's still playing in the middle still- of the ice, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely, and he's he reads plays so well. And actually, I I think he's gotten stronger physically. I've been very pleasantly surprised by how strong he is on the walls. He he's really come up. He's shown a knack to come up with fifty fifty pucks. Um, you know, he's only been out for one goal again so far. That was seeing a little bit of PK time. Um, I mean, he he's he's played great so far, and he's he's been in the middle of a lot of scoring chances. Um, besides the two goals and two assists that he has, he probably has several more already. Hit, hit a post in the second game. Um, he's so good at his edges. When he cuts in, nobody nobody stops him. Um, and he's deadly when he's set up behind the net. Um, I mean, he, he's already driving goalies nuts. So yeah. there's uh, you, you can see the upside and the way he handles the puck, the, the skill level, I think he'll figure out I think he'll figure out the defensive side. Um, all you know, he, he's playing hard. He's really competing. So that's that that that's a really good thing to see too. That um, you know that that'll if he makes a mistake, he makes up for it. Um, he hasn't, hasn't really made a lot of mistakes though so far. Um, he's so he scored a shootout goal. Um, I mean, he's just he's just been you know he's made been large scale impact. But uh, and in terms of the organization, you take the best available player, but it's no secret that the Flyers are thin at center, and especially you know, in the, across the farm system. Now, all of a sudden, if, if Michkov can be a center long term, that's, that's a game changer. And, and, and then, you know, I mean, maybe you, know, maybe you still have Gautier at center long term. Maybe he plays wing, but it, it opens up options, um, really, really with both guys. But I think that, that to me is the biggest positive. Preseason stats or preseason stats whatever league it might be in. Um, you really look for overall things. I don't think it's a surprise that being a teenager who's always played wing, he has some work to do in face-offs. That's, yeah. that's just goes, goes to figure. But um, I'll tell you, he doesn't, doesn't look out of place in the middle. And now all of a sudden 
you know, that's, uh, that's, a, that's something to really track over the season, how much center he plays, how much wing he plays. And the, the goals will be there. I, there yeah. There's no doubt as long as he's healthy and he plays, he'll score. Yeah, the thing I noticed, and I didn't watch all the games, but the thing I noticed in those 50-50 battles and board battles is he's really crafty in there. Yeah. And it goes back to that edge work on his skates. He doesn't ever feel, doesn't ever look like he's off balance. So it allows him to, you know, pick pucks and, and those kind of things. And those battles, not on sheer strength, but on some crafty elements in, in the way he thinks the game as well. But how can people watch the games? Um, well, Scott, his team in Russia has been been posting um, streams. So they have, they have the, the links posted for all their preseason games. I don't know once the season starts, probably not. But uh, at least at least in August, you can see all the games. Okay, so people can get their eyes on while they can and see where it goes once the regular season starts. Bill, we've got a contract signing for the Flyers, and this one took me a little bit by surprise. It is Sam Arison who gets an extension. He's still got a year left on his deal, but he signs a two-year, $2.9 million contract extension, 1.45 uh, AAV. It's through the 25-26 season. And, uh, you know, this is one, like I said, I didn't see coming. Uh, we got to look at Arison last year in the NHL. He had that six-game win streak and was put into some tough positions. That Carolina game, if I recall, where he ended up getting pulled and then having to go back in. Uh, were you surprised by this extension and the timing of it? I, I was a little bit surprised. There had been nothing – didn't hear anything on the radar screen for for it. Um, it is very early, still – off season to so, doing it early here is if he if he performs well again then you're probably getting some savings yeah uh, for sure you you got him locked in on well, now for three years because it's one year to go in the entry level then two years after that at a pretty good price I, th- I think the bigger picture what it says is the organization has a lot of confidence in him um that he, he's a guy who's going to play a lot of games for the team um we'll see how it we'll see how it plays out in this coming season but i i think it says that regardless of how much he plays this season and how much is it the NHL or the American league um, that there's a, a lot of faith and confidence that he's going to play a, a lot of NHL games by this season after this one, um, you, you know, and then the, the next contract too is going to be a one-way contract too. So um, it'd be 1.45 million, even if he's in the American. League. Yeah. I got a couple of emails on it. Gregory Ripto, Ripto said, he's curious to how we, we view this contract and, one of the things he brought up was that you can't bury it in the AHL. It's a $1.15 million cap hit. And, you know, it's got people questioning, you know, what is this situation going to be in that? Which brings us to the top 10 list of Flyers question marks heading into the season. And we're going to go out of order here, but let's transition this right into the one that I had. Number six is the goaltending tandem. Hart and who? Is it Hart and Erson in light of this contract? Does that play a part in it? Obviously, We'll see how things play out in camp, injuries, and the like. Felix Sandstrom, Cal Peterson, who's, I think, going to be on Wednesday's episode of Flyers Daily. Fedotov, if he comes over, this is a big question mark of Carter Hart and who going into the season, isn't it? For sure. And this is something we're not going to know until, until camp. Um, it's, it's very much up in the air. And if Fedotov does come over, you've got four – you got four spots for five goalies too, between the Phantoms and the Flyers too. So there's uh, there's competition on, on both levels, um, and everyone has something something to play for. Um, Peterson, um, who's on a five million dollar contract, you know, big 
they can bury a piece of it about 1.1 million but he has a five million cap hit so he's signed this year and the year after that from the deal he signed in la but if he doesn't have a bounce back year you know he could be a buyout candidate next summer if he doesn't yeah. bounce back and you know he's had a he had a couple bad seasons in a row so this is a crucial year for him you know, it's kind of now or never for him to bounce back uh we talked about urson he certainly is a player on the rise um Sandstrom is playing for his north american career to a large extent too um pretty pretty disappointing year for felix last year um sometimes played better than the numbers suggest but he, just, he was just prone to that one bad goal that would prove costly and whether his one loss record was what it was um pretty tough so these are these are all battles to to see who will be who'll be the number two and you know and, and there's there's a lot of other things you know will, will take shape between now and then too so so who knows and you know there's also there's also the injury factor too it seems like seems like in every camp um you know so, different guys but, but it's often goalies early on too so it's uh you know, it's going to be really, really interesting to see that. Um, we'll see how, you know, we'll see how how they how they split up the work too in the preseason. I'm really interested to see that. Bill, one of the things, and Greg alluded to this in his email that he sent me. He said rumors were that uh, Cal Peterson's agent was assured that he Peterson uh, would have a legitimate shot at an NHL spot. And he said, I can't see us sending five million dollars worth of goalie to the AHL simply because that would leave way too much still counting against the cap. Um, I have. I haven't heard that from a legitimate source that he was given a shot and a shot at the NHL spot. To me, it almost makes more sense for Cal Peterson to start in the AHL and get games because the only way he's going to build confidence is by, you know, getting some games. He's got, he's got to build the mechanics of his game back and he's got to build, you know, between the years back and you got to play to do that. And being the backup in the NHL, I don't think is, is the best place to do that. It's too unforgiving when you're at a volatile position. So I think it makes more sense for him to be down there. I'm not worried about the cap implications right now. I don't think we're worried about the cap. We wouldn't have made the trade form if you were worried about the cap implications. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think yeah. it's more likely that he would be in the AHL. Yeah. It's obviously uh, clear waivers. I was going to say, I was at five at a 5 million cap hit, you don't even worry about him clearing waivers. You do it out, obviously clear waivers. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. And you know, I guess the other part of it too is that if Urson, if Urson has a so-so camp, then maybe he goes back to the Phantoms and he starts there. But we'll we'll see. Um, but yeah, I I don't think anything is assured for Peterson. Really, Peterson wasn't in a position to uh, to say where he was going to go anyway. Yeah. So you know, I I think that Peterson's coming off of two pretty pretty darn rough seasons in a row, and he just he just wants to bounce back play play till you know it wasn't all that long ago that he it seemed like he was he was he'd become the man in uh in la and just it just kind of slipped away from him um so uh you know it, it's really going to be interesting i i really i i have a lot of faith in urson i think that urson uh is very mentally tough and uh obviously has the athleticism too um if you had to handicap it right now i i would actually say that Urson would be the, the field leader for the number two job going into camp, but it's still very much an open competition. Yeah, I, I agree that. And that 
contract seems to indicate that to me as well. So it's going to be one of those things. And speaking of bounce back years, Bill, let's get to our second of the uh, 10 top 10 flyers question marks that we're going to discuss on this episode. And it was number five on my list, but it's the rebound of two players, two players in different rebound situations. Travis Sanheim coming off signing that contract last year extension, which kicked in this summer, along with that no trade clause name was out there in some trade discussion as well. And Joel Farabee was coming off that surgery, did play all 82 games last year. But one of the biggest question marks is going to be the rebound of both of those players, a forward in Farabee who you know, scored 20 goals in a shortened season. And Travis Sanheim with no Ivan Provorov here is going to be asked to do a lot more on that left side. Uh, absolutely. Let's start with, uh, with Sanheim. You know, he won the Barry Ashby trophy season before last um, without Provorov. It's going to be a, a blue line by committee, but Sandheim's going to have to eat a lot of minutes. I think that's a like a 21 and a half minute, 22 minute a night guy on the team. Uh, you don't have Provorov there anymore. Um, there's maybe an opportunity for PP too. It depends on, depends also if like Emil Andre makes the team or whatever, but this really, I think I think for it to be a successful season for Sandheim, fairly or unfairly, he kind of has to outdo what he did two seasons ago. Yeah, and that's uh, you know, that's a tall order. But the fly the Flyers really need it because the the blue line in general to me is a question mark. So I, I think that that Sandheim has become a, a really important player on this team heading into the season, and it's hard to say right now to the extent that he'll bounce back, especially because he might've been moved during the off season and players react to that differently. Sometimes, sometimes it's uh, the kick in the butt that, that really sparks him to a good year. And sometimes, sometimes you think, well, I signed the extension. The team didn't want, me. you know, I, it, it's really, it's really how the player handles it. So um, that, that, that's all, that all remains to be seen. Uh, Farabee, I think was certainly affected by the next surgery. How could he not be? Uh, it took him really to the second half of the season, and he had that long goal drought. It was something like 25, 26 games, something like that. And then, and then, he, and then when he finally scored, I think he rattled off a five-game goal streak. It so often goes that way. And he's starting to look much more like himself in the latter part of the season. Um, Farabee bouncing back to form as part of the nucleus group would be would be big for the depth and also for the uh, talent wise on the team. Um, it wasn't all that long ago that he was almost an untradeable piece. Um, I think that, I think that a big year for Farabee, even comparable to the level that he had in the, the shortened season, 20 something goals, you know, good two way game, uh, continuing to play in all situations role. I, I think that that's really where the flyers would like to see and kind of need to see him get back to. Um, you know, it's been a, been a couple of years now since he's done that on a sustained basis and produced, uh, with, without the long droughts along the way, but hopefully in the second half of last season, he kind of turned that corner back towards where he had to be. It, it opens up all that also opens up a lot of possibilities too, that if you, you know, Farabee is productive, then all of a sudden, you know, I mean, because goals were such a problem for the team last year, and you're you've turned over, you know, like like Kevin Hayes, different position, but Kevin Hayes isn't going to be back. There's opportunity for some of these young guys, and Farabee's still young, 
to take to take that uh, next step beyond where they showed when they had their their seeming break breakout year. So that's uh, he he's one of the key guys to watch in camp and on. Yeah, he had 20 goals in the 2021 season in the 55 of the 56 games that year. 20 goals, 18 assists, 38 points, 63 games the next year, 17 and 17. And then last year, the 15 goals, 24 assists, 39 points, played all 82. Maybe the biggest element of this is the fact that he's got a summer where he's not coming off not only a surgery, but a late surgery. That was June 25th when he had that surgery uh, a year ago. So uh, maybe that makes all the difference in the world for a guy that's slight to begin with uh, to lose any muscle is, is I think that made it more difficult on him as well. Now, Joel Farabee bill is part of, you know, the young group of players on this team that's trying to forge a new path and, and get the team back into being a, you know, a perennial playoff team and eventually push towards the, all, you know, the, the biggest goal of getting into cup contention, uh, which brings us to number four on my list. And the third that will and final one we'll discuss of the top 10, question marks for the Flyers upcoming season. And that's the development of the leadership group. You have the departure of Kevin Hayes, obviously huge personality off the ice, huge personality on the bench and in all facets. You also have the departure of Ivan Provorov, who was always in the lineup playing tons of minutes, maybe not the most vocal guy, but the leadership group didn't have a captain last year. Only guy wore a letter was Scott Lawton. And you have this young group. And I think they're looking for that to happen organically not just put a letter on a guy and that yeah. means you're the leader, but the, the development of a leadership group, I think it's really got to take root this season. I think Konechny took a, a big bite of the apple when Drew was traded, but it in hockey, it's not one guy. It's got to be a group of guys. It's got to be a core. And, uh, you know, you got to have multiple guys with different personalities that lead in different ways. That's a big element going into this season, I think. Yeah, for sure. And, and you need both up front and on the blue line too. Yep. Um, uh, up front, uh, now having Couturier presumably back and, and having Atkinson, I think that that helps on the leadership side. Um, but that's the know, upper demo, right? Yeah, that, that, that's the older players. Now, among the younger guys, uh, you know, maybe a, maybe a guy like Tippett, who's not the most vocal guy, but he can lead by example, too. Yeah. Uh, a guy like Tippett can take that, hopefully, that next step towards being being that guy when you need, you need a goal. You know, he's a guy who, who is most likely to create something and get it for you. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, Cates is a quiet kind of pretty quiet guy, too, but maybe another lead by example type uh, in the room. Um, the blue line, I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, they, they, they've never they've never really they never really replaced Matt Niskin, who was the, the, com the calming element and the leader on the blue line. Um, Justin Braun brought some veteran calmness and, and uh, you know, always kind of had his finger on the pulse, but I, I think you need to play a bigger role. You need to be that 20, 20 minute a night guy to, you know, to be that, to be that blue line leader. Which is why I, Nick Sealer doesn't kind of fit that bill too. Exactly. He, he, right. He, he's a great team guy. Yep. And, and, and highly respected in the room. But he he's not the guy he's not the guy everybody's looking to on the bench when things are chaotic just to settle things down. Yeah. Um, again, they haven't they haven't really had that since Niskanen, and I don't know that they're going to have it this season with, with the group that they have. So you're just looking for young guys, the Cam Yorks and the Samulas to to step up as regulars on the blue line. Um, you know, Sean Walker provides some of that uh, veteran 
uh, veteran presence in the blue line too. But again, he's not he's not a top of the blue line leader. Yeah, that's Stahl as well, but the, you know, he's kind of like a rental in a Stahl, way. Yeah, Stahl, yeah, Stahl, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Stahl, and Saul does bring the that calming element and the, yeah. the veteran piece of it, and he'll probably play a lot of minutes. But he's only on a one year deal, um, and you know he's more of a I mean he's more of a mentor by example type too. He's not he's not he's not the most vocal guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You know, it's just uh, he does bring that experience and the and the way he prepares himself and those kind of things. So, I don't know that that happens this year. I think that that still is one of those long term pieces of the puzzle they're working on. You expecting not to? I'm expect not expecting them to name a captain again this year. No, um, Pruitt said there wouldn't be one again this year. I don't see why he would have changed his mind and and do that. So I think that the, the, this year again, you'll you'll still see Lawton with an A. You might. See Couturier or Atkinson, where you know they might see two two guys wearing the A this year, but I don't uh, I don't think it'll be a cap. Yeah, interesting times. Uh, that's three of the top ten list that we had. Uh, I'm not going to make it actually twelve because of the honorable mentions as well. We'll tackle more of them on the list coming up in next week's episode. Great stuff in this one though, Bill and everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, Cal Peterson will be our guest on Wednesday's Flyers Daily. We'll be talking to him to him tomorrow, and we'll give you that conversation coming up on a brand new Flyers Daily coming up on Wednesday. So join us then. Everybody have a great Monday. We'll talk to you next time on a brand new Flyers Daily.